Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We never remember days, only moments. Cesar Pavisi. I think Lower Palisade Lake, which is you go up the golden staircase, um, we... It was like the end of the day and we're like, no, we're going to do the golden staircase today. We'd already done. We all passed. of our family was at the bottom at those campsites. They were all like, no way. Yeah. And we decided, as, as we said, <laughs> I you know, made a lot of miscalculations, but it was like, let's, let's go. Let's just knock this out. So tomorrow we just have to do Mather. And we slugged our way up the golden staircase. And I was like, oh my god and we get to the top and there's no one there literally not one camper and it's just this pristine lake and like we had our pick of campsites and we just set up and there was i mean i don't know if it was a full moon but you could see the yeah. moon before like the sun had even set it, ro- it, was- it, it like comes up right over mather pass i'm doc and this is the john freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, Dirt Bags and Hiker Trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
All right. This week, we are talking to Britt and Andy, the duo behind the Bad Hikers Instagram account. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod, you two. How's it going? It's good. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was that was Andy. Britt, you want to say something audible? Because this, this is a podcast and they have yes, to hear you. No, that's fair. Hi, I'm I'm doing great. <laughs> okay, good, good. Now, Andy, you're, you're wearing a hat. I can't quite make out what the, uh, is that Smokey Bear? Smokey the Bear. Nice. Very good. Uh, only uh, only you, only you can prevent forest fires. It's true, you know, and I think in our, our global climate situation, you know, we all got to all got to, you know, wrap our Smokey the Bear merch. That's right. As we are recording, this is uh, this is June 20th. And unfortunately, this seems to be about that time of the year where California enters into fire season. Yes. So we, we, uh, we, we, we only have two seasons in California. It's fire and earthquake. So. Yeah, pretty much. I, I think we're also adding like mass floods into the California cycle now, too. True. Depending on what part of the state you live in. Yeah, for sure. We we were really starting off with the, <laughs> <laughs> the doom and gloom. Yeah, man, just jumping into the downers. Um. <laughs> the rest of the podcast will be uplifting. Right. All right. It's all uphill from here. We'd like to start in a low note and kind of gradually work everybody into it. Now, as we, if you're watching this on YouTube, you may be thinking to yourself, what is, what is guard media? Cause that's what, uh, that's what you're labeled as right now. Oh man. Yeah. My, uh, I own a media agency called guard media, um, mostly branding and, uh, brand building and platform building. Oh, Hey, I know a podcast that, uh, maybe might benefit from your skills. Hey, we, <laughs> we do a lot of fun stuff. Hit us up. Nice. I'm sure I can put the good word in with the founders. Okay. All right. Um, Let's see. Uh, you derailed me already. So um, have you, <laughs> have, we'll do a hard. Yeah, that, that didn't, didn't take long start. at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, do you guys uh, have any trail names? We usually go by trail names on the podcast here. That unique American tradition where you've you've picked up a name or it's been given to you because of maybe where you're from or a peculiarity of your personality or maybe something that happened on the trail. Have you guys yeah. picked up trail names? Um, we, I think we have a bunch of rejected trail names. I know yeah. Andy tried to give me one Sephora because I was putting chapstick under my under eyes on the trail because I was so desperate yeah. for moisturizer. <laughs> um, rejected that. We had a, a friend, Austin, who has a YouTube channel called Side Trail Adventures, who tried to give me another trail name because I was I'm slightly allergic to mosquitoes and I was having some issues, um, but I completely put that trail name out of my brain. I what was that one? Was. I have no idea. It was something tragic. Brittany, <laughs> Brittany, when she gets stung by a mosquito, uh, gets like a, a, about a baseball sized welt. It's and so right. when you're through hiking the John Muir Trail in early spring, there's sections with a lot of mosquitoes. So we, uh, we were sitting by Cathedral Lakes and just enjoying like one of those nights where there's no wind, perfect sunset. Uh, that's actually the night that I proposed to Brittany yes. and she was wearing shorts. And I was like, do you want to put pants on? And she was like, no, this is the best night. I'm having the time of my life. The whole be thing. Great. Yeah. And I, I proposed we woke up in the morning <laughs> and I, my, both my legs were hundreds. Swollen. Yeah. It was, it was really fun. Um, and it was a very itchy few days. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, nothing wow, like that is... occasion with a, uh, with a couple hundred mosquito bites to really like solidify the engagement. That is unfortunate. Ouch. That, that uh, just makes me uncomfortable <laughs> listening to that story. And, you know, we've already dropped the bombshell for the episode. There was a proposal on the trail and she said, yes. So 
a bunch of our two, a bunch of our listeners are going to tune out right now and say, okay, that was, that was the whole episode. That, that, <laughs> it, that was the whole thing. We will, we'll work on some more cliffhangers, but, uh, okay. but yeah, I think the biggest criticism I got not from Brittany, but from friends of ours was you did it too early in the trail where if she had said no, it would have been a really uncomfortable 180 miles <laughs> left. Um, so I just went for it, you know, cause I kind of felt like if I did it at the end, it was like, if you complete this, <laughs> I'll propose. And I, you know, so we went, actually, I just panicked and did it early. <laughs> so you were going southbound and you proposed, uh, what, 30 People miles like, in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Day two, we started at Happy Isles and uh, we camped at the Cloudrest Junction Junction on the first night. And second night, we camped at Low Upper Palisade. Don't, uh, Cathedral Lakes? Or Cathedral Lakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Palisades were yeah, yeah. Cathedral, a bit along. further on. Yeah. Yeah, Cathedral. Yeah. I, I love that description, Andy. You panicked. Oh. I, I panicked and I just asked her right there, you know, 30 miles in. Well, you got to um, imagine it, you're it, holding a ring in a sock in the bottom yeah. of your back. And it's like, you know, panicked. Like, I wanted actually the responsibility of carrying it to be someone else's. I was worried <laughs> I was going to lose it. So I was yeah. like, if I just give it to her now, then I have to not lose it for the rest of the trip. <laughs> That's right. But you can wear it on your finger, right? I mean, I wasn't feeling like I wanted to wear an engagement ring on my finger while I was hiking for 20 days. Yeah. And I also put it in a sock in the back. <laughs> you know? So yeah. this story is in contrast. I don't know if, you, if you've ever, if you've listened to the Billy Yang episode or if you saw his video that he put yes. together. Yes. So yeah. it's like the exact opposite. Uh, yes. Elon, Elon was, was waiting for the, for the perfect time. He, he couldn't make up his mind and he ended up doing it at the very end. And he was, he was, he was panicked about, you know, not losing the ring. He had, a, yes. I think he had it in a pocket in his shirt or something and, and uh, was always just paranoid about losing it. I, I had made a, a friend of mine uh, is a woodworker and we had made a custom box for it. And I had then taken two of my largest pair of smart wool, wool socks. socks. I was like, and, why are and double, it was like a football sized <laughs> like package. And, you know, we were working really hard to be like borderline hyper light, you know, like be on that like 10 pound yeah, base. Yeah, trying to get the base weight down. Yeah, and they're like and I just, things in layers of socks. And I just have a tube <laughs> in the bottom of my back. It's like one, you can't like, I can't show her. Cause it's like, that looks very different than the rest of your pack. It, <laughs> And, you know, then you're like, yeah, there's just a little, just brought up some extra socks. Just extra socks. Yeah. 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 That was me. One of my questions is there's really not, a, there's not a lot of secrets on the trail when, you, when you're together for that long. Right. And so, Britt, I was going to ask, did you ever notice the football size uh, sock formation there and, and wonder what that was? I did not. But what I did notice <laughs> is, this is maybe TMI, but right before he proposed, I was like, I got to go dig a cat hole. And he's like, okay, like go. Like that. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I was like, get out of here. I got to <laughs> do stuff at camp. And she was like, a like, little concerned. Okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> yeah. He was enthusiastic about your bathroom visit. That's like, awesome. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I was like, I need to take everything out of, because also we have hyperlight packs. So there's not tons of pockets. It's just one pocket. And I had put it at the very bottom. So I had to, Rip quickly rip everything out of the pack get it out take it out of the socks which i was not doing a great job of all in a span of you know however long the cat hole digging was yeah, yeah. It, worked, it worked out <laughs> she said yes for the listeners perfect timing your, your bowel movements are already aligned in the uh, yes. the correct system <laughs> the correct time there's some people talk about cycles and you know we started off on one of those nice 
That means it's meant to be. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, but we digress. Do you have trail names or not? No, we do not. I think <laughs> just a lot of discarded trail names. A lot of discarded trail names. We oh. we have given some trail names that stuck, but we have rejected the ones given to us. I yeah, feel which like- maybe it makes us bad sports. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's probably some truth to that. I kind of feel like one of the games that we were playing on trail was like calling each other trail names to see if something fit and it never fits. So we just I mean we can't give each other trail names. That's, that's the thing. That's fair. And like our little group of our little tramly, like I think there was only one trail name that stuck in the whole group. Yeah. Yeah. Strider. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andy, if if you'll allow me, I mean, just hearing one story from you, and it's a great story. <laughs> you always have to have the great story behind the trail name. I would I would throw out the the trail name of Panic. Oh, panic. I'm not a very panicky person. It's actually one of the only things that's ever panicked me. That there's something kind of interesting there, actually, because like I'm a pretty level-headed individual. Yeah, it would, it would be confusing to our friends if I yes. said your trail name was panic. You so like con- you, we, we like confusing trail names and we like trail names with a story behind them. I mean that that's uh, that checks both boxes right there. I think at the end of the episode, depending on how well we get on, you know, we can we can kind of check in, get a little uh, like a temperature check. Okay. Six. I like it. I, I'm intrigued more than I've been intrigued. So I'll, I'll okay. say that. All right. That's a, that's a good start. Yeah. Uh, Britt, I will, I will keep my eyes open and my ears open for, for a similar, uh, awesome. <laughs> for you. So I thought okay. Sephora was great when she had the chapstick out. It was I like, mean, it was, yeah. I think it was day. I, it was before yeah. MTR. I know it was at Sanger Creek. It was the night before, right before MTR. MTR. So like yeah. day 10 or 11, I mm-hmm. like went to get I, water and she's in there with the chapstick. I, so I have eczema <laughs> and I was not, for some reason, hadn't thought that through. It was like 10 days in. I was like, oh God, what have I done? The only thing I have is chapstick. So she's yeah. like blotting it under her eyes. And I was like, trail name, <laughs> Sephora. <laughs> we are learning a lot about you, Britt, right off the yes. bat. <laughs> Do you usually get this much information? We've listened to some of the episodes, but this yeah. is going pretty deep, pretty quick. You know, this is great. This, this, you know, sometimes I wonder if I'm ever going to build the chemistry with my guests and get them to open up and tell me things. Uh, and we get to the end of the episode and finally they open up and they, they, they share some stories right at the very end. I'm like, well, why didn't we share that earlier? This is not going to be a problem with you guys tonight. I'm, I, Fantastic. I'm here. you guys have opened right up. In fact, uh, Britt, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. You shared your your uh, cat hole moment before the proposal. You shared eczema. I mean, maybe maybe your TMI. Yeah, maybe Whoa. I have TMI. T- TMI and panic. I mean, oh, what a combo. Oh. Also, TMI and panic as a couple names. Real good. I I really like that a lot. <laughs> I'm down. Okay. I kind of think that's kind of all right. We'll try. We'll try those out. We'll see how we have a through hike coming up. We have a very mini through hike coming up. Was part of our family from the JMT is flying up from North Carolina. As she mentioned, our friends uh, Austin and Joe. Austin and Joe from Side Trail Adventures. They uh, they're coming out to Oregon to hike the Timberline Trail with us in July. And so we'll try it on. I think I think we'll give it like a test run and see if it settles. Yeah, and when, when your friends show up to the trailhead, you just introduce yourselves as panic and TMI. <laughs> TMI? See what the reactions are. 
And they'll say, why, why those names? And you can then go through the stories and see how that feels because you're going to, you're going to have to tell that story, you know, 40, 50, 60 times, depending on how long the trail is and how many people you encounter. See, I think there's, I think you're loading the deck though, because part of you giving us the trail names on the podcast is going to force the story of ours to drive traffic. So I'm not sure (laughs) we gotta, we gotta AB test this a little bit. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I, I will, I'm not going to hold you to throwing me in there as well as part of the story. You can just, right, you, know, you, you can, you, you've got enough backstory on these, these names. So I'm into it. Okay. I, like I do. They kind of float. Yeah. <laughs> so TMI and panic. Have you listened to the podcast before? I have. Yes. I have not actually. <laughs> okay. So uh, TMI, just to, to clue you in here, there is a segment towards the end of the episode called the pro tip inside of the week. That's where I'll turn to both of you and I'll ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. Now you're expected to drop some trail wisdom throughout the episode, but you'll be on the hook for this official one at the end. Okay. All right. There's Good a form know. that we signed. I signed for you. It's a whole Perfect. Thing. Okay. Right. <laughs> Disclaimer, waiver, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah. Um, I put your social down. It's fine. Okay. The must bring gear review. Oh, I, did I jump the gun? I did jump the gun. Oh, no. We're going to get to the, we're going to, we are going to get to the must bring gear review and I'll push that button again, but I think you're I, I'm just pushing buttons. I don't know what's going to happen here, but uh, before we get to the, for, to the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the must bring gear review, we've got. It's time for a current event. That's right. Half calf. It's, a, it's time for a current event. And what I'll do sometimes is I will scan the headlines prior to an interview to see if there's anything out there in the adventure world that, that merits a discussion. And I found something today. And so I'm going to share this current event, this headline that I saw in, in the, uh, in the media today, and I'm going to get your reaction to it. All right. All right. So Is it a blind reaction, should I step out and you get her and then no, no, no it, can, it can be together. Yeah. This is, this is a couple episodes. So, all right. So this comes to our friends from uh, adventure journal. And the headline was that 100 kids rescued from the Austrian, the Austrian Alps. Oh my gosh. 100, (laughs) 100 kids rescued from Austrian Alps hike gone bad. And so there are about a hundred students, eight teachers, and they tried to take an unmaintained route up to the summit of Walman Dingerhorn. That's just fun to say. I know Walman Dingerhorn. Uh, which has an elevation of 6,500 feet. I guess one of the teachers in preparation for this hike, he was looking for a shorter route up and he thought he found one and he thought it was a maintained route. Uh, that was, and it was, uh, it was a bit shorter than the, the main route. And they get up there only to find that it's not maintained. Uh, in <laughs> fact, there's in addition to the bushwhacking, there is some big time exposure, which means that there is uh, serious serious altitude, um, serious drop-off, you know, right next to the trail. And it was going to require Alpine experience and proper climbing shoes. So there they are. <laughs> they are stuck at this point. They're, they're in the rain. It's raining and they have to, to call, call for help. And so they call for, for help. And a rescue team of about 60 people came out, including the local town's mayor and rescued all 107 of them if peak woman dingerhorn is in your hometown the mayor is definitely a climber like for sure (laughs) like you can't win the mayoral race in the austrian alps where mendingerhorn is if you're if you're not a really proficient climber 
that is a that is a fair point that uh that makes a lot of sense i feel like the group of kids like this is really gonna split like yeah either you're after that experience as a child you're like i'm all in and i want to like do this all the time and bushwhack and learn how to alpine climb or you're gonna be like that was the most harrowing experience of my life. I'm absolutely never going outdoors again. <laughs> I think that's a really good first like gut check because I think we, ex- we actually experience experiences often on trail when you are surrounded by the like friend introducing their other friend to nature. Oh, and they're yes. on like, like we met people on the JMT that were like really proficient outdoors people that had brought their friend for their first hike and camping trip ever. And they're wearing like, triple thick smart wool socks their feet are bleeding and they're like my friend said that this was fun and it's like you know I, I, he's referencing a specific example where we did meet someone where it was their very first backpacking yeah. trip was the jmt and they were doing it in 13 days they were trying to do it in 13 days yeah and we wow. and i was like are you okay <laughs> and we met them with him trying to duct tape his feet like to duct tape the blisters on his feet but... yeah so you know yeah definitely i think a harrowing outdoor experience yes. will send you one of two ways yes. and that guy on the jmt seemed like he was never going to backpack again um i also think an eight to hundred <laughs> ratio is a really incorrect like like guiding to adventuring ratio like if you look yes. at other adventure companies it's like an inverse ratio there's like 60 people for 20 people climbing not like a hundred climbers with varying degrees of education and experience with eight people like we'll get you up this route we're not sure is a route they thought they were on a trail that was not going to involve climbing yeah that's tough yeah (laughs) i feel i feel that's tough it's just (laughs) yeah you know what i love your insights because those those are those are both great points a lot of times I'll do a current event and, and the guest will say it's like the B rugged. It's really (laughs) the sticker that we got sent from you guys. It's like, it's really forcing some of those kids to be a little more rugged than they want. Right. Right. But some of my guests will do a current event and they'll say, Oh yeah, that's, that's rough. And that's all I'll get out of them. But you, you guys, you guys gave me some good analysis right there. In fact, I want to talk about this a little bit because I interview people who of course have stuck with it. They're, they are out there, they're doing great things out in, in, in the outdoors and they've got this hiking resume or outdoor adventure resume and we talk about it. And oftentimes there is a bad experience at first, but they, they persevere, they, they, they stick with it, they go back out, they learn, they adjust and they make it better. But you bring up a, a great point, TMI. I wonder, this, is, this would be a perfect uh, analysis uh, statistics because we have 100 students, about 100 students. Of those 100 students, how many of them persevere and stick it out and, and do this again? And how many of them say, forget it. I'm not doing this ever again. Because if I just base it on the people I talk to, it'd be 100% because everybody, everybody I talk to is an outdoor adventurer, right? Sure. But yeah. in, in real life, and I don't, I don't know about the people who have given up. So out of the 100 kids, how many stick with it and how many give up? So I think this actually depends on if these were like local to the area. I was going to ask the exact same. Yes, because the thing is, if you live in the Alps, I feel like you have a lot of different opportunities to end up doing proximity to this kind of stuff, like (laughs) glaciers, mountains. But if this was like a field trip that was like out (laughs) of the way for these kids, like might be a smaller group. Are are they from Connecticut or are they from the Alps? Because I think that's going to have a lot to do with the outcome. I think they're from Austria. I think it was a local, maybe not a local school, but a, a, a school in Austria. And they took this trip. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
Okay. I feel like a good number of them are yeah. going to try again. That's that's where I'm settling. So okay. Because of because of their proximity, probably uh, more more than not would, uh, would would persevere. If they were from Connecticut, <laughs> what, what would the percentage be then? We're going to lose all of our Connecticut subscribers. I know. <laughs> my gosh. Why, why did we pick a location? Um, <laughs> I mean, oh, I don't know. I would definitely a much smaller group i, I think it's it would, i think i would be more interested in actually knowing this answer in retrospect because we were just in the french alps yes and it's it's a to say like dominated by outdoor sports is an understatement there is yeah. only outdoor activities to do like the the towns are incredibly small and then there's mountains and glaciers like in your back literally the backyard and so i feel like there would be a really high proclivity of people now, I think it depends on the severity of the rescue. Like, we're not talking, you know, like the... the. It sounds like everybody was fine. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, it doesn't sound like there was, like, anything really, you know, had graduated into, like, the horror movie stuff. So I think there's probably a good likelihood they're going to turn to maybe adventuring. Maybe it even turns a couple first responders out of the deal. Maybe they get inspired to yeah. be, you know, more... more <laughs> mountain rescue. Exactly. Yeah. Upside. <laughs> Good point. You know, the best thing that could have happened to those kids is if the teachers or somebody, maybe one of the rescuers sat them down afterwards and defined for them the different types of fun out there, you know, type one fun, type two fun, type yes. three fun. This was <laughs> definitely type two fun. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is a great three. story. Rescue is involved. In, I don't know. That's, it's like type two to me. I put that under type two. Really? Yes. Because like we said, it's the security <laughs> of the rescue. Everyone was fine. So to me, that's, that's right. type two fun. You know, I think you're probably yeah, right. I think yeah. you're right. Okay, I'll I go think, with that. I think, if, I think if that debriefing happens after the whole thing is over, I think there's a higher percentage chance that more of them are to continue on yeah. with the outdoor adventure life afterwards, yeah. especially if you've been rescued by the mayor, right? Yes. What, a, what a story that's that is. I mean, that, that's, you've been talking about that for a while. I feel like this is a really good story. And when it's a really good story, you do yes, it again. I agree. Yeah. I think that's true of a lot of like type two fun. If the type two fun doesn't have a good story, it's it's like it doesn't really get told and romanticized. If it turns out great and everybody lives and the mayor saves you, like it graduates <laughs> into like a proliferating story. Yeah. And then you're the kid that got rescued by the mayor on that. Do you think the mayor gave himself the town scissors to cut the like <laughs> congratulations ribbon? Or? He gave himself the key. To the key? Yeah. No, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he threw a parade in his honor for him yeah. rescuing 108 people. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I would yeah. attend. Yeah, totally. Yeah, all the kids okay. could be a parade. It'd be a pretty oh, big parade because there's already over 100 kids. The float could be like the Black Hawk helicopter that saves them. I really feel like we are not the right people to be on a podcast. Yeah, I feel we like can't, <laughs> we can't stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, hey, I'm gonna push another button here and see what happens. The right. must bring gear review. All right, now, now we're at the must bring gear review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company. <laughs> Six Moon Designs, and here's how it works. If you were let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So TMI and Panic, what is your must-bring piece of gear? And I'm excited because whenever we have a couple, I get to hear about two different pieces of gear. So <laughs> TMI, ladies first. I don't know. This doesn't really count as gear, but the thing that I really didn't expect to like yeah. be obsessed with on trail, but really was, was a Kindle. 
they're waterproof. They're super light. The battery life lasts for like a month and a half or something on one charge. It was like the best. I read so many books on the JMT and like, it was something I never thought about. And I was really glad I brought it. (laughs) Now you said you read so many books on the JMT. Was it about the JMT or you read books I was reading you were on the JMT Kindle, which is this one is not charged, but, um, (laughs) right. But were they books about the JMT or were they, the other types of books? Reading like fantasy, Fantasy. a lot of books. (laughs) All right. I didn't know if you were, you were doing, you know, full immersion. I'm going to walk the JMT. I'm going to read about the JMT. (laughs) I I didn't want to spoil it. You know, I wanted to experience it in my own way and not, uh, you know, didn't get any spoilers. I, I love that. It, and so in, in her credit, so when we had put our full pack together, the decision to buy the Kindles was very close to the actual leaving to go on the hike. And I was a little bit skeptical. And it, we were also in the headspace of, again, trying to go hyperlight, trying to like really like organize the pack really well. And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, it's like 90 bucks. It's waterproof. Again, the battery lasts forever. You can put infinite books on it. And same thing. I ended up buying one. I think it, like, this is the whole thing. It weighs next to nothing. And I was thrilled. I read every night. We were in bed at 5.30 at night every night and, you know, read until the sun went down and it was, it was fantastic. Um, That's a, that's a great must bring piece of gear. I like that one because, you know, a lot of people bring, you know, photocopies of certain pages of like Elizabeth Wank's book on the, on the JMT. Sure. Um, instead of bringing the whole book, you could bring the whole book on your Kindle plus, you know, a dozen other ones. And it, 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 it is tiny. I mean, it's, it, it weighs uh, almost next to nothing. So. You're uh, I think we have that one. Elizabeth Wicks. We have that one. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Every, every JMT hiker should have a copy of that. Yeah, I did. I did quite a bit of reading of it before we left. Um, Very useful resource. I'm having a hard time between two of my answers. I, this is Prius. <laughs> so um, Pat Prius. She's Sorry. upset that she's not included. I thought it was Tumbleweed. Uh, Tumbleweed's the other one. The other one. There's two. There's Prius two cats. And Tumbleweed. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're you're slipping. Must bring piece of gear. Panic. I was gonna. I was gonna say the what's our water filter? The Katahdin. Yeah. So we we use the Katahdin B free water filters. Um, and I would be concerned with the prompt. It was if a stranger were to pack my, my pack with kind of arbitrary generic gear, I think I would be concerned about not having a water filter. And it's the kind of gear that we just carry everywhere now through hikes, day hikes, weekend. (laughs) It's just, and it's just such an easy thing to have, to have this like minimal viable product of like line of defense for surviving in the outdoors. Cause I mean, the kids that got stranded in the Alps. It's like a water filter is a really solid thing to have that doesn't take up weight in your pack. And I think my second one is a weirdly, I think defense mechanism for me, but sunscreen, man, <laughs> like, don't, don't leave home without your sunscreen <laughs> from, from a boy that burns really badly. You know, are you of the, are you of the pale persuasion there? You're like me, you, you, you yeah. burn up easy. That yeah. the, the Scott Irish descendancy is yeah. uh, born for a sunburn. We actually mm-hmm. both hiked the whole thing in long sleeve sun shirts yep. and long sleeve pants. And we had multiple people like ask us, like, why are you, it's so hot out here. Why are you hiking yeah. in long, like in long pants and long sleeve shirts? Yeah. And we were like, cause otherwise bad things are going to happen. And we, we did run into quite a few people that 
had some pretty bad sunburns. We felt horrible. they had trail ending sunburns. Yeah. And especially at elevation, I think there's there's like a a definite lack of understanding about I think we're hyper aware of it because we burn I could go outside and garden like I did today and get sunburned in 20 minutes. And so I think I we think about it all the time, but we definitely saw people at 10, 12,000 feet that I don't think understand that elevation makes you sunburn faster and more severely. And I think we're wearing shorts and t-shirt and we're like, yeah, I'll get a little bit of miles in and put some sunscreen on and saw them like, I just wouldn't be able to put enough sunscreen on to. And that's the next thing. I don't want to put sunscreen <laughs> yeah. on all day. I'd rather wear a sun hoodie and pants and not do that. Yeah. 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 I am right there with you. Long pants and a sun hoodie. That was uh, <laughs> ideal gear right there. Yeah. And, uh, TMI doesn't have to, you know, get bitten by all the bugs. Yeah, that's right. It also helps with that. <laughs> yeah, it saves it saves on your pack weight and how much bug spray and sunscreen you have to carry. Yes. How much? Yeah, all the deet you're like trying to put on the outside of the clothes too to make them not bite through the clothes because they're a little, you know, vicious. Yeah. 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 And I, I rub deed on my face. You're probably not supposed to do that. So oh. I mean, just, just a disclaimer here. Don't don't necessarily do as I do, but I hate the bugs. <laughs> So I, I rub that, I, I get like pure deep where I can find it and, uh, you know, get in my hands, rub it around and then just wipe it all over my face. Just make and a quick know, stop I on the know, dark web and order that pure synthetic deep. Yeah. And I know, I know I'm at the right level of deepness on my face when my lips go numb. That's, that's when oh. I know. Stop. Don't you love stop, that? Don't put any more on. You're not having a good time unless, unless your lips go numb from too much That's deep. right. That's right. Again, don't send me any hate email. I, you know, don't, don't do that. Don't follow my email. We'll, we'll post it and tag you. Oh, yeah. Nice. Post my email. That's okay. Like the name. Yes. Okay. It's the hiking pole. All right. It's time for the hiking pole. And it's P-O-L-L, not P-O-L-E. So it's not like the poll you carry in your hands out there. This is a survey, a seven-question survey that's going to help me determine how, how sane or not you are. So uh, 100 is completely sane. Number one, if you, get, if you score a one or, or a zero, you're completely insane. So Good, okay. I've changed this up a little bit because uh, I just thought it'd be fun to talk about maybe some non-hiking stuff. So these questions actually have nothing to do with hiking. These are some of the big issues that we are wrestling with as a society. And so I wanted to get your take on these. It's going to be single ply or double ply toilet paper. <laughs> and there is no rhyme or reason into the scoring. It's just whether or not I agree with either your answer or the argument behind your answer. Okay. All right. So you ready? Yep. Are you, are you a little bit nervous about this? I'm not sure. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll take it slow to get us warmed up. Here's, here's question number one. I want a question from each of you. Each one of you is going to get a score on this. So, all right, we'll start with uh, panic. You answer this one first since TMI went first on the last one. Panic. Do you sleep with your socks on? And this is just in, in real life, not, oh, not no hiking. Way. Life. I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> What's that? Say it again. No way. I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> We need to edit that. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 fine. That's good. See, I made the judgment there for you and answered the question. You wow. did. Um, so, boy, put the pressure on TMI. I mean, how is she gonna uh, answer? I I have a problem. I go to bed with socks on, and then at some point in the night, I kick them off, and so there's just a pile of socks at the end of the bed all the time. That's my. That answer. sounds that sounds familiar. That <laughs> 
You know, I have to tell you that uh, Mrs. Doc, she always wakes up in the morning. She says, why are all the covers on your side? I was freezing this morning. I couldn't, I didn't have any covers. And I tell her, I say, look, we start off with, with you know, the covers are equal on, on, on the bed. They're not hanging over one side or the other. They're equal. But when you violently, violently kick them off in the middle of the night because you are too hot, guess where they go? They go to my side. <laughs> Fascinating. There are parallels between our lives. <laughs> All right. We're off to a good start here. Question number two. We'll just alternate. So TMI, this one, this one, you go first on this one. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Oh, God. I'm going to end up being ranked insane at the end of this. I do like pineapple on pizza. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> pineapple on pizza is not pizza. <laughs> Wow. I love this. You guys have very strong, unwavering <laughs> viewpoints here. And, and, and she, and she said yes at Cathedral Lake. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, so TMI, why, why pineapple on pizza and panic? Why not pineapple on pizza? I don't know. It's just delicious. I, <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I think, I think it's, I think it's because as what I would consider an institutional pizza consumer, right? Someone who's based a large percentage of the food pyramid on pizza for myself that, uh, you know, I think, I think just, just a cheese pizza is like peak human creation, right? It's like one of, (laughs) it's like one of society's greatest moments was the cheese pizza. And so the, you know, it's right up there, right up there with inventing the wheel and the fire right fire, cheese pizza. you know and yeah, cheese fire pizza. right and, and it's like i think everything after that was a descent into kind of a knockoff and then i think at the end of that list fruit started getting added <laughs> out of boredom and lack of other new inventive ways but it's like kind of acidic and like it just adds i don't know i like it <laughs> I, I'll, gi- I'll give it i'll give a defense to pineapple pizza though i will say I have only tried pineapple pizza twice and both times were not from, I think like a pizza restaurant or like a pizza maker. Just, I I think like something terrible, like a a bar. (laughs) No, like, like someone had ordered pizza and it was from Papa John's or something. And it was just like, not, I couldn't do it. So I I will give the defense that I'm open to trying good pineapple pineapple pizza. I've just never had good pineapple pizza. I will say panic had it since we've gone vegetarian because typically it's the Hawaiian pizza with the ham True. or something. True. And I haven't, so I haven't had it uh, since we've been vegetarian. Yeah. But in my past life, yes. I'm pineapple pizza all the way. <laughs> are you, are you both vegetarian or just you TMI? Yeah, we're both. We both vegetarian. went vegetarian. Okay. Yep. Yes. We right. hiked the JMT vegetarian. Yeah. Okay. Now, Panic, I've had a lot of guests on the show. I think we're closing in on 200 episodes. So I've talked to a lot of people. You may be the first pizza philosopher I've had on the show. (laughs) I'll take the title. I'm changing all of my LinkedIn's across the board. You talk about being an an institutional pizza consumer, and then you go on a a rant about, uh, you know, the, the perfect pizza being the cheese and everything has just kind of devolved from a there. little bit of, con- a little bit of conspiracy and a little bit of, uh, yeah. you know, edgy content. 
can really can really help push the push the metrics for you know he is very <laughs> passionate about pizza and has been since i met him so <laughs> <laughs> this is totally on brand and she still loves me so you know, we're working all right okay question number three panic do you roll your toilet paper over or under roll it over or under yeah, hanging on the wall, not 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 on the trail, on the wall. Oh, he's going, he's getting up, he's going to look. On the hand or the wall? On the wall. On the wall. On the wall. When you put it, when you does your toilet paper roll over? Oh, or do you have to grab underneath and get it? Oh, I don't do that. Whichever way it comes out of the the drawer, whichever way I pick it up and put it on. Oh wow. Life is way too short to spend time thinking about the angles there. Like you just pick it up, put it on, I pull it off, rip it, use it. Now. I, I would, I would, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, taint uh, TMI's <laughs> answer here, but you know, when, when I asked you the first question, you said, I'm not a sociopath. I mean, that, <laughs> I don't know. I, you, you may have tendencies there. Uh, you know, I think there's probably some truth to that. That's yeah. fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, All right. TMI. I say over, always over. <laughs> Does that mean it rolls off the front? Off the top. Yeah, comes towards you. Yes. Correct. Fascinating. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind when I do the email. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm solving problems for you too. I appreciate yeah. that. I actually never even thought about it. I just put it on. Now, yeah. TMI, is that a firm stance on the rollover? Yes. Yes. If, if you find yourself at a friend or a relative's house and you're on the throne and you notice that they do it under, do you, do you, do you fix it no. for them? No. And you're not that you're not that obsessed by it then you're all welcome to put your toilet paper on the roll however you want <laughs> now do you change it when i do it wrong no 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 because wow so i mean i will say too like we have two bathrooms one is on the top floor one is in the basement andy works in the basement i work on the top floor so like Generally, I feel like the, the bathroom at the top of the house is mine and the bathroom down here is yours. So whatever happens down here is not my problem. I love this journey for us. <laughs> you know? It's working out great. Yeah. All right. Question number four. TMI, how do you pronounce the brief video pictures that are spelled G-I-F? How do you pronounce that? Oh, God. I think we've actually talked about We have this. talked about this. I, I switch back and forth, but I think generally I say GIF. I think I say GIF as well. Well, I think we, we've actually had a long conversation about this. And I think we were both curious. Is, is there actually a difference? Because is there, is there a GIF and a GIF that are? No. No, they're both. <laughs> yeah. I think I say GIF. <laughs> For a great interview. <laughs> yes, this is this is fascinating. It's a good thing that the crowd can also see you just kind of like, whoa, these two. Wow. Born to be alone in the woods. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just let you go. We'll see what happens. All right, question number five, cats or dogs? I think I know the answer to this question. Ooh, yep. As, I mean, I'm oh, probably- Oh, it's panic. panic's, panic's turn. So I, I love both, but- Cats are great because you don't have to walk them all the time. <laughs> I, I think we're both in the strong, all animals are awesome and we're super into all of them. Uh, but cat, I think, I think for our lifestyle, as much outdoor stuff as we do, and especially there's a, like, there's a lot of places you can bring your dog, but a lot you can't. And yeah. 
And I think for our lifestyle right now, it makes a lot of sense. And we were also living in Los Angeles before, which is like not having a yard and just being inside cats, I think make a lot more sense. Um, but yeah, that was a very long answer. Cats. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cats. All right. But you I mean, you, you did say all animals, but it just that yeah. cats suit your lifestyle at this point. Do you yes. walk your cats? Do you put them on a leash and walk them around? Right. So Tumbleweed, <laughs> who is our, we don't know how old he is, but he is quite old. He has very few teeth left. He's diabetic. And, uh, you know, he's just an old man. He's very chill. So we have taken him outside. We put him on a harness. He doesn't love the harness, but he will very slowly wander around outside if you're with him. So <laughs> we also walk him without a leash now because he's so slow that he can't run away. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I am hearing that you have put a leash on a cat. I need to yeah, note so that, that in my, my tally of your score here. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Very good. He's deducting points over there. (laughs) (laughs) No. no. All right. Question question number six. Uh, I think Panic was supposed to answer that question first last time, but but uh, TMI jumped in. So Panic, your turn now. Do you use the Oxford comma? He doesn't even know what that is. So okay, that's okay. That's, that's okay. Not not everybody's a former English teacher like myself. So Oxford comma and Oxford comma. Is uh, and another way to ask this is, is it a if British say, comma? <laughs> so if I say that the flag is red, white, and blue, how many commas do you use? Red, comma, white, comma, blue. Yeah, so you use an Oxford comma. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> is that good or bad? I use an Oxford comma. We use Oxford commas. Staunchly in the Oxford comma category. (laughs) You two are solid in my, in my point of view. Fantastic. Wait, so just to clarify, is there some, is there such a thing as a another placed comma? No, you just wouldn't use uh, the second comma. So it would be red, white, and blue, but not the comma in front of the end. Yeah. Some, some, there's been a deterioration. There's been a deterioration of American society. Society they have stopped using the Oxford comma. They're saying that the and the the conjunction and is enough of a, a separator between uh, oh, white and blue. Why why use that second comma? Which you know it's it's a slippery slope. Uh, you get rid of the Oxford comma. What's next? I mean, it's, it's so good. Doc. In your opinion, what does come next societally? <laughs> I think we're seeing it all around us, actually. Yeah, it all started with getting rid of the Oxford comma. We all promised it was going uphill after the beginning. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Gosh. <laughs> yes. All right. TMI question number seven is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Yeah, definitely not. Absolutely not. There's no chance. What is the definition of sandwich? A sandwich. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 how would you define it? If you're explaining it to uh, an so alien, I think, I think it's slice definitive slice of bread, things in between it, slice of bread on top with a hot dog. The bun is often attached still and you wedge the hot dog in the middle. I'm sorry why I'm making all these hand gestures to explain this, but I don't think a hot dog is a sandwich. I've heard this argument before it all, it all hinges on the hinge in the bread, right? Yes. Yes. So is it, his next question is going to be, is a cheeseburger a sandwich? No, is a hoagie a sandwich? Oh, yeah. Because a hoagie also comes has hinged oh, bread. Man, shoot. Is a hoagie a hot dog? 
These are the heavy hitting questions <laughs> that everybody's know. tuning in for. <sighs> See, I my discrepancy with with this is that I just think the tubular and singular nature of the meat product itself oh. is the is the definitive factor because I think the hinge is valid and it also prompts the hoagie question. But for me, it's the like uh, abnormal or or very singular use cased meat shape. Yeah, you wouldn't put that. Like I'm not else. lining rounded <laughs> chunks of ham, tubular <laughs> ham in my you know previous life's ham sandwiches. You know the All sandwich. The hand gestures. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm I'm worried if I should put tubular ham in these yeah. show notes or not. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe this is a uh, section. <laughs> Tune in for that. Like we're discussing lost kids in the Austrian Alps, a mayor that saves them in tubular ham. <laughs> you can just, just write the summary for me. That's perfect. All yeah. right. We'll send it over. Awesome. We'll give you some notes. <laughs> All right. Hey, let me do some quick math here. See where you fall on the sanity scale. Scale. I, yeah. I got to carry the two. I've got to divide by pi, multiply by the root of five. And we have to adjust for the atmospheric pressure at 14,505 feet. Of Mount and TMI, you come out with a solid 65. Woo! 65. <laughs> and panic, you're a little bit you're a bit closer to the crazy scale at a 50, <laughs> 55. So 65 and 55. Cool. Well done. That I, I sounds th- about right. I think the consensus is that that's also pretty accurate in real life. So that's that's usually my follow-up question is how would your friends rate you on a scale from one to a hundred? Oh a scale from one to crazy. One to oh well, no, 100 is completely sane. Yeah, 100 is completely sane. So I'm slightly more sane than you. And I think, uh, I don't know, I feel like 65 is a pretty good number yeah. for me. Yeah, I think so. I'm yeah, happy you know, with 55. I you, know what those scores, you know what those scores tell me? Those, those scores tell me you two are a fun time. <laughs> We've heard this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right enough in the median to keep things spicy all the time. Yeah. That's right. That's not right. Like, All right. Hey, know. before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. Let's uh, talk about where you grew up, uh, what kinds of sports and hobbies you played growing up, and how you got involved in the through hiking cult. And of course, uh, you have to tell us how you met. So who wants to go first? Right. Ooh, I'll go first. Um, so I'm a reformed indoor kid. Uh <laughs> Not much of an outdoor kid growing up at all. Uh, Occasionally car camped with some, you know, friends, families. Uh, But I actually, my very first backpacking trip was the year before we started the John Muir Trail. (laughs) And to Duck Lake. Yeah. Yeah. So I went from like zero to 100 really quickly. Not a lot of sports. I played golf all four years of high school. Against your will against my will. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my entire outdoor and sport history. <laughs> and where, where'd you grow up? I grew up in, uh, in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Where in Los Angeles? So I grew up in a suburb that was like South of LA. Um, so Torrance, California. Yep. I'm familiar with Torrance. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm in a suburb. I'm in a suburb that's North of LA. Santa Cruz. Oh, oh nice. right on. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Any brothers or sisters, TMI? I've got a younger brother named Christopher. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to find a trail name for him too. Yeah. We've got to get him on a trail <laughs> before we get trail name. Oh, okay. All right. Fair. Fair point. He said former indoor kid. My brother is still an indoor kid. So. <laughs> he's, he's still stuck in the indoors. Got it. 
All right. How about you, Panic? Uh, so I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. Um, upstate being the like actually up the state, not the like close to New York City, but not New York City kind of upstate, like outside of the Syracuse. Sticks. Yeah, sticks. <laughs> um, grew up on a big piece of land in the middle of a bunch of big pieces of land that nobody really owned. Um, so definitely the, the parenting technique was you're not allowed inside until the sun goes down kind of thing um, on a bunch of lamps. So definitely the opposite of an indoor kid. Uh, uh, definitely played sports in high school, played, played basketball, played golf. Um, and yeah, I think, I think like early childhood outdoors was hiking in the Adirondacks with my, with my mom and siblings at like eight, seven, eight years old and building trails on our property and things like that. So kind of a lifelong pursuit. Nice. And how did the two of you meet? We were in the same Burning Man camp. Got a Burning Man. <laughs> As one does. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Just, your, just your typical story of a reformed indoor kid and an outdoor kid getting together and meeting at Burning Man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Happens all the time. That's where Classic. all love stories start. <laughs> You know, half naked. Did you, did you happen to see my? Did you happen to see my sister there? Oh, I, I don't know. She, she frequents Burning Man uh, quite a bit, so there was there's a lot of there were there were a lot of people there. <laughs> yeah, it was a big crowd. Did you meet anybody named Laura? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But also, you know, there are like names on the playa, much like tra trail names. They're playa names. Yeah. So I don't know if she was going by Laura. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably not. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about uh, her, her trips there. I guess what, what happens at Burning Man stays at Burning Man. Unless you get engaged. <laughs> and, then, and then it's TMI. Yeah. Ooh, it's catching on. I know. I know. <laughs> All right. And Hey, how do the, how do the two of you pay your bills or finance your adventures? What, what do you guys do for a living? We are, we are both in marketing, the very exciting world of marketing. <laughs> That's right. Guard media. Yeah. Do you both work for Guard Media or have you have you declined to hire her? Um, I have tried to hire her on several occasions. She is the the brains behind the operation over here. Um, so I own Guard Media and, and have been doing so with my business partner for the last uh, five or so years. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just work for a big company and market stuff, <laughs> market stuff. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get to that, that part of the United States that uh, we all love so much, the High Sierras and the John Muir Trail. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going. 
knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Britt and Andy, tentatively known as TMI and Panic. And now we're going to, not to say that the previous stuff hasn't been good stuff, but now we're going to get to the really good stuff, which is uh, Time in the Sierras and the John Muir Trail. And so how did you guys hear about the John Muir Trail? Ooh, the, J- the JMT was like childhood dream of mine. I Growing up in New York, I had, uh, there was an old Nat Geo that I had ripped a page out of that was the Mirror Hut. Uh, and it was an issue commemorating the, I believe the Sierra Club and the work that they were doing. And it was a time of expansion. And this was the nineties, I think. Um, and I literally had the page ripped out of my, out of the National Geographic and had it on the wall. So like, I think early on when we went backpacking for the first time at Duck Lake, I was like, we should hike the John Muir Trail. And Brittany on our first backpacking trip was like, yeah, that'd be great. Sure. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I had only heard of it because I had a family friend who owned um, a condo in Mammoth Lakes, uh, which was like basically what we used as our jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'd been going up to the Sierras in high school and had, you know, gone to some of the places where people cross the trail. I'd been to Red's Meadow and like seen hikers pass through. So that's, that's how I knew about it. But I don't think I really understood (laughs) what I was getting into. Um, Yeah, I was just like, cool. I love the Sierras. Like, I like hiking. (laughs) It's great. Let's go. (laughs) I think always a very cool moment for me is to talk about uh, kind of what we expected before we started the hike and then how the hike lived up to those expectations. How did reality compare to our expectations before going on the hike? So, I mean, was it drastically different for me, for you guys, or was it, did it pretty much live up to what you thought it was going to be? You want to? Okay. I think that I didn't really 
have expectations. I was worried. I honestly was worried I wasn't going to be able to do it. Um, Cause like I said, I hadn't been backpacking for that long. Like we had spent the year leading up to it doing a lot of like longer distance hikes, but like I'd never done anything like this. Um, I think like the longest backpacking trip I had been on before this was like three days. Yeah. So no idea what to expect was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And for the first like week on trail, like I was struggling. Um, it was, it was really hard. It was a big adjustment. And I think about like day nine is when like, I got to the point where I was like strong enough that I was really enjoying myself instead of just trying to like survive (laughs) every day. And then after that, like I had a blast. Um, but I mean, it was just as beautiful as I expected. Um, cause I, I'd spent some time in the Sierras and like, it was really cool getting to do the, the big passes. Cause those were things like I'd seen a bunch of pictures of, I'd watched a bunch of video and it's just like, until you see it in person, like you have no idea what that's going to feel like. And it's like being on another planet. Um, it was really cool. Until you're staring, sitting at the bottom of Glen Pass looking up, it's like, it doesn't quite click yet. Yeah. <laughs> um I think for me it it uh I think it exceeded expectations for me because especially thinking about it for so long in the context of wanting to do it I think the the part that I had focused on my whole life especially growing up on the east coast where there there's a phenomenal outdoor community there but it's um I think the the maybe the romanticism of the mountains and the aesthetic of the Sierras was something that was so iconic to me and having Whitney and, and all of that, that I had been thinking about it through a visual context a lot and not as much of an emotional impact context. And especially also hiking it with my partner and, and, and Brittany, I had also been very focused on trying to be as good of a hiking partner as possible. I knew going into it that I could do it. Um, and I had done a lot of never something 250 miles, but I've done some stuff in the Yukon and growing up in the East coast with kind of a forced outdoor life. Like, you know, my brother and I would see how long we could spend outside in the summertime without coming home. It was, I had kind of gamified the outdoors at a very young age. So I think the, the thing that exceeded my expectations was the impact that it had on me personally, that had nothing to do with how pretty it was or how beautiful the trail was. It was like, falling in love with nature again really happened there for me instead of it just being a playground and I think they're the subtle difference between those two is what really shocked me yeah I want to go back to a point that uh Brittany made Britain I'm sorry not Brittany oh. Brit also TMI uh, the point that, that TMI made uh about you know the, the first day or two, those are always the toughest days. I mean, you're looking forward to something and you get out there and, and you are immediately hit with hiking at altitude with a full pack and you're wondering to yourself, what have I gotten myself into? But then you eventually get your trail legs. You get your trail legs and you hit your stride and you really start to enjoy it. But those, every every big hike I do, it's always that first first day. I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm too old for this now. But then, you, you know, you, you get you get used to it, so. Yeah, no, I mean, our first day, you just said it, like, it was, it was 110 degrees, like, in the valley, um, in Yosemite Valley, and it was just, like, the combination of that, the, like, weight of the pack, 
the, like the fact that you're just like hiking straight up and out of the valley that day. Like, I was like, what the heck am I doing? Like, <laughs> I'm going to get heat stroke on day one and have to go home. Um, and I, I just think that like, it's, it's just so funny and interesting to like, see how much stronger you get as you do it. And it's like, that's the only way to do it. It's like, yeah. you just have to like, know that when you start out, like you're going to you're going to be struggling because unless you're like literally backpacking all day, yeah. every day, like there's no, the best way to get in, in shape for a through hike is to just do the through hike. I yeah. think. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. And I, I still like, I look back at that and I can't believe that I did that, but <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and it's not to say that we weren't in shape. I mean, we were doing the, as you, as, as, as TMI had said, as TMI had said earlier in the podcast that, um, she has family that had a place in Mammoth. So we were fortunate enough to spend a couple weeks before the, the actual through hike in Mammoth hiking. And we were doing 40 to 50 miles a week as kind of a benchmark. And, you know, Mammoth is 8,000 feet ish, give or take. And all the hikes are roughly around, you know, nine or 10,000 feet. So we were in really good shape. And it's still really and it punishing. it still was really hard. Like, it's, I was like, we've done all of this. Yeah. Like, we've been hiking at elevation. And, yeah. like, it still kicked my butt. Yeah. You yeah. just have to through hike <laughs> and get your, get your trail legs. That's right. Now, Panic, in addition to planning for the trip and looking forward to the trip, you were also preoccupied because you had this proposal that uh, you knew you were going to do. How did, how did that impact the, the early days of the hike? It's, it's funny. We, we both had... We, we both had a very busy uh, pre-hike life, work, family. There, there was a lot happening in our life at the time on top of a big portion of the through hike that I think it's the least romanticized is how painful the like food prep is and like getting your resupplies in the right place. And I think also just the stress that comes with that, not even the doing of it, just the mental space it occupies. Um, and I definitely, I actually, the, the I designed the ring uh, with a friend of our a mutual friend of ours from Burning Man, uh, who's a jeweler. Jeweler, and we finished it only four weeks before we left for Mammoth. So a lot of the pre-hike for me was back and forth with the design and the process and the renders of all that stuff. And then when it got delivered, there was a, a very quick like ferreting it away underneath <laughs> the bed and taking it out of the box, making sure it's real, and then wrapping it back in the sock and then trying to have her not find it. You know. <laughs> It was a lot of mental energy put into this hiding process. <laughs> and I think, of course, thinking about like how you want to ask and where you want to ask and you have all these great plans and then you're there. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like Cathedral Lake's pretty good spot. Spectacular. Like I'm, I'm really glad you proposed there. <laughs> Anywhere you would have proposed on that hike would yes. be great. <laughs> the the jam the jmt makes it uh, there's plentiful vis vistas yes. <laughs> for for good proposal spots <laughs> nice now what did you guys think was the bigger challenge out there was it the the mental game of just knowing you had to hike that many miles and do it over and over again each day or was it the the physical challenge Gosh, I, I think for me, it was mental. I had this like problem where I 
would like psych myself up and be like, I can do more miles today. I can do more miles today. And then I would just at the end, like collapse, like, so I had pushed past that point, like every day. And it took so long to get to a point where I really like understood, like where I was at and was like able to make clear decisions about like, no, Brittany, you don't have to do this. Like maybe don't hike that extra, like whatever mileage you don't need to, you're already ahead of schedule. Like don't kill yourself on, on the, this very long hike. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was way more of a mental battle than I expected. I thought that the main thing I was going to be dealing with was the physical stuff, but it actually was just like, it's like really crazy in your head just being like, oh my God, what am I doing? What is this? <laughs> all these decisions throughout the day like is this the right yeah call like is this where we should stop should we try to get ahead so that we can make it easier for ourselves tomorrow and it just felt like a like a constant negotiation um yeah i, th- I think the negotiation is a good is a good phrase for that because it's tied to physical but the difficulty is in the mental process required to make sound decisions around the physical right and i think that for most i don't know what the right word most people that aren't consistently through hiking, right, is their life. So most people on trail, you're almost never in a situation where you're forced into a very high physically strenuous position every day without real clear outs. Like there's places you can get off trail very easily, but there's also like, I can hike the 15 miles to the next camp, or I can hike the 18 miles into town and quit. And it's like, so, so there's just this, I think, I think there's this always, as you were saying, this renegotiation where we would hit this point every day where we'd kind of get to our objective. We'd gone over the pass. We knew we were at campsites. And it was like, if you want to get two more miles in and another thousand feet of vert, we'll have an easier day, a more mellow day tomorrow. What do you think? And we'd look at the map and be like, yeah, sure. Like I feel pretty good now. (laughs) And then really quickly, it's like, oh, I had way less energy than I thought I did, but it's hard to kind of be in tune with that until you're 10, 12, 13 days in where you have a really clear understanding, I think of like, what the body's telling you. I think as you get stronger, you get more mentally clear. So it's kind of like, (laughs) yes, for sure. Super true. That's great. Now, how many days did you take to do the JMT? We, we 21. Yeah. um, But our last day was just hiking out of. Yeah. um, We, we summited Whitney on the 20th day on the morning. It, it, but I don't know, we left at two, eight, two 30, three o'clock in the morning, summited Whitney on the 20th day and then hiked um, I forget what it's called, not trail camp, which I think is the first camp when you're going down the golden staircase, the second one, that's like just above, Oh, you mean the 99 switchbacks, the 99 switchbacks. Yeah. The, um, I don't remember what the, I don't remember what the called, second, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, the one's like just outside the portal when you're going yeah, down. Yeah. There's yeah. a camp that's like three miles up from the portal. Yeah. 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 We, we, we stayed there. We were like, I think mostly cause we didn't want it to be over. It yeah. wasn't like we didn't want to <laughs> leave. It was like, we have another day in the permit. And we were kind of trying to, there was, there was some thunder and lightning storms on Whitney. We had been hearing for the days before. So we were trying really hard to get ourselves in a position at Guitar Lake where we could have two days to try and summit Summit. Whitney in case it was bad. So we finished the day early and we're like, well. And we just, (laughs) we, we got down off the 99 switchbacks, got to the campsite and went to bed at like 3 (laughs) PM. Woke up and ate creme brulee from backpacker pantries, creme brulee at like 7 PM. And and then went back to bed and slept like. (laughs) 
<laughs> 10 hours. It was glorious. And just had a really chill yeah. day on our 21st day, wandering down and ordering a bunch of food at that little restaurant at the portal. At the yeah. portal. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even make it to hiker midnight. Nope. No. Not <laughs> no. even close. No. No. <laughs> now, now speaking of wanting to, the trip to go on, not wanting to get off trail, did you guys suffer from the the post-trail blues? 100%. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. We were, we were suffering from it before we even finished the trail. Yeah, I actually like, I think the last couple days, like I was getting really emotional because yeah. I was like not ready for it to be over. Um, and we just kept getting closer and closer to that. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> we were up on Forrester Pass and I just started like bawling. Yeah. I was like, that was the last pass. Like, I'm so devastated. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this, is, this is why, this is why the trail is such a great metaphor for life because yeah. even on the trail, you find yourself looking forward. And, and, you know, as yeah. if you, if you look back on your life, when you're young, you're always looking forward. What, what's going to happen? When, when can I drive? What school am I going to go to? Who's going to be my girlfriend? What college am I going to go to? What, what's my career going to be? When am I going to get married? You're always looking forward, always looking forward. Yeah. And then there's some point in your life where you're looking back and you're, you're like, Oh, remember the good old days. Remember we did this, <laughs> we did that. It is so difficult to stay in the moment. And that, I think that is the key. That's, that's one of the things that, you know, as a, as an old man, I've learned, you know, that it's very important to stay in the moment and appreciate it when it happens. Because um, yeah. I, I totally get that. Because you, once you're past the halfway point in, in, in a yeah. hike like that, you're, you're, you're thinking, oh, God, it's going to end. It's going to yeah. end. And I'm going to be sad. <laughs> and that really taints, yeah. taints your experience for the, for the second half. I, I think, I mean, we had had this conversation almost just jokingly before the trail. And then in the early days of, I have always really wanted to hike the PCT. And we were having this joking conversation about like, when are we going to do it? Like, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? And I think up until then you were like, I don't yeah, the beginning of the hike, when I was really physically yeah. struggling, I was like, I am not, I don't know if I can do the PCT. And we were sitting on top of Forrester crying about it being over. And, and she was, was like, like, I just have want... to hike the PCT. <laughs> she was like, I want one shower and then we're back on trail. Like, just give me one day in the shower, do some laundry and I'm right back to trail. It's a funny flip. It really, yeah. and I think that we were listening to, to something. I forget what it was. Oh, it was uh, New Hampshire public radio. That's right. They have a, a podcast that they had an episode on, on hiker blues yeah. and talking to hikers about what that was. And we had a very long conversation about it of like, it's almost like every day you wake up and you have a very definite goal in mind. And like, you're just spending your day, like moving towards this one definite goal. And life is like very simple yeah. and clear. Correct. Yeah. And it just, I think that just the feeling of being on trail just feels so right because it's like, I I'm working towards this yeah. thing and I'm doing it every day. And I've got like this singular focus and I'm in this beautiful landscape and like, I'm overcoming challenges and like, I'm really like excited. And I feel like really proud of myself when I do something I don't think I can do. And it just, it's a very simple, like life. And a lot of those answers I think are really hard to get in off trail life. You know, the yeah. sense of daily achievement, the sense of accomplishment, the, the amount of in shape you are, like how physically I, I can only speak for us, but I, I felt better than I had ever felt on day 18. I felt yeah. healthier, stronger, you know, speaking of TMI, like our, our gut was great. I know <laughs> like we felt great. Like we were in really good shape. And like, 
I mean, we ran up Whitney. Like Brittany was worried about how Whitney day was going to go. And we hiked it at night with a full moon, no headlamps. It was just like perfect going up the switchbacks, got to trail crest, dropped the packs. And Brittany was like, I could see it in her eyes. Like, okay, here comes the hard part. And then like, we're at the top and she was like, Oh my God, (laughs) you know, and you don't, I think you don't realize how capable you've become. And I think that sense that what what was described in in the show we were listening to was the sense of loss, actually. It's the post-trail blues is the sense of loss of what you've just lost, that daily sense of accomplishment and achievement, the goals that you're going for every day. And I think the clarity. Yeah. Like there's this huge sense of, I know exactly what I'm here to do today. And then you get back to your normal life. And speaking of two people that work in marketing, it's like, I don't think there's ever a clear objective. (laughs) And if there is, like I missed it a long time ago, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, that is well said. I think, uh, the, 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 the simplicity of purpose, the, the clarity out there. And I, I think, I think it says something about our modern world when we get depressed going back to it. Yes. Yeah, totally, right? totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a funny thing for sure. I mean, we finished not to, not to flip flop segments here, but like we finished the trail and moved out of California in 45 days Yeah, <laughs> and like have a garden in the backyard now and, you know, made some changes. Yeah. And okay. part of that but was it, just like the lead up to the trail was yeah. like, we know that there are things in our day-to-day life that we don't love. And it was like yeah. the clarity of being on trail was like, oh no, like we're ready to like yeah. switch it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's put a pin in that and let's go back to the trail just for a sec. Um, do you have any favorite moments other th- other than the proposal, any favorite moments or favorite campsites from the JMT? Oh yeah. <laughs> so I think lower Palisade Lake, which is you go up the golden staircase. Um, we, it was like the end of the day and we're like, no, nope, we're going to do the golden staircase today. We'd already done. Mirror all Pass. of our family was at the bottom at those campsites. They were all like, no way. Yeah. And we decided as, as we said, (laughs) I, you know, made a lot of miscalculations, but it was like, let's, let's go, let's just knock this out. So tomorrow we just have to do Mather and we slugged our way up the golden staircase. And I was like, oh my God. And we get to the top and there's no one there. Literally not one camper. And it's just this pristine lake. And like, we had our pick of campsites and we just set up and there was, I mean, I don't know if it was a full moon, but you could see the yeah. moon before like the sun had even set. It, ro- it, it like comes up right over Mather Pass. So if you can remember Palisade, right when you start to get where you're, the trails on the lake, right above you, there's a really steep hill. And Brit, Brit put her pack down, TMI put her pack down. And I was like, I'll go scout for sites and just like drop my pack, scrambled up the hill. And there's just a campsite right there, right on the top on a, on a gravel kind of little flat gravel pad. And we just set it up and we unzip the tent and it's just Palisade <laughs> the Lake and the moon, and the moon rise. <laughs> and it was like, Oh my gosh. Like one guy walked past us coming, uh, coming no bone. He just celebrated his 55th birthday. He had a fly rod. We were like, how are you? He's like, I didn't catch a thing. I'm having the best day of my life. Bye. <laughs> and it just so like articulately, articulately described that euphoria that I think everyone's in out there that 
is there for this kind of reason of, of the things we've been talking about. You know, he was like a fisherman. He's like, I haven't caught a thing on my birthday and it's the best day of my life. (laughs) Yeah. That, that is an epic story of uh, being up at lower Palisade by yourself with the moon coming up over, over Maryland pass. That that's just a, what a sight. I think the other one was the, the, the girl on Forrester. Oh Yeah. Yeah. So the, I think the other the other thing for me that stands out a lot is um, you got a second for, for a story. Oh, absolutely. I always have a second for a story. <laughs> All right. So we're hiking up Forester Pass and uh, we had resupplied an in independence the day before. So we had camped. Was that Bullfrog? Just under like where you can yeah. camp like away from Bullfrog. So, you know, we started it was nine miles to the top of Forester. It's a long day before you get over Forester. And so right when we're getting up into the like switchback section where you're going up Forrester, honest to God, I look down and there's a gummy, like a fruit snack, right? Like a gummy. This is, this is bad information, right? I'm going to tell you bad trail ethics. There's a, like a gummy snack in the trail and I shoo it off the trail. No, no joke. Two hours later, we're at the top of Forrester sitting down. Both of us are bawling our eyes out talking about the impact that this trail has had on us, the sense of finality. And we're eating gummy snacks, like the, the energy chews, right? We're sitting there with a bag of energy chews. And this girl comes up who's hiking the PCT, we discover, in kind of sections because there have been some fire troubles. So she had kind of been trying to stay away from that. Um, and she she was a, she was deaf. Yeah. And she says, you know, talk, we were talking to her about hiking the PCT alone as a, as a deaf individual. And she's just the super positive. Like you can tell in her face, like blissed out, just so stoked to be there. And she's like, Oh, can I have a gummy? And or, no, Brittany was like, do you want a gummy? And she was like, Oh, I would love one and takes a gummy. And she goes, you guys want to hear a joke? I'm like, yeah, totally. And she goes, uh, she goes, so a JMT is hiking, hiking on the trail and drop some food and then another jam tier comes behind that jam tier and kicks the food off the trail and then the pc tier comes up behind the two jam tiers sees the dirty food picks it up and eats it and she goes and i picked up a gummy further back on the trail and i go i kicked that gummy and it was like like and it, it's so encapsulated because there's the, there's like these versions of through hiking right yeah. there's the jmt right. length and then there's the pct crowd and it was like so encapsulated this difference of like, I, you know, I just had a resupply 12 hours ago. I see a gummy and I'm like, ah, whatever. It's a dirty gummy. I'll just talk to the and side. She, she's like, yeah, I just saw a gummy back there, you know, four miles back and ate it. And I was like, yeah, she was, she was telling a story. She was telling a story to, to kind of summarize the differences between the types of hikers out there. Yes. And that story literally uh, happened. Yeah. Yes. It, it was. <laughs> very weird <laughs> it, it was it was and it was it was this kind of like synchronistic magical moment about like having like meeting these two and two groups of people at you know pct and jmt and just sharing some beautiful words at the top of forester as she i think she was two or three months in and had another couple months and it was right right after this california closed all of their state and national parks due to, due to wildfire and she was bouncing up to to oregon or, or washington yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a it's favorite very, moment. Yeah, it was a very cool moment. <laughs> well, that's, that's fantastic. Congratulations on your engagement. Congratulations on completing the John Muir Trail. Uh, the John Freaky Muir Pod has partnered up with the Rugged Outdoorsman. 
and has uh, sent you guys a commemorative coin for completing the JMT. And Panic is holding that up right now. It's got two sides to it, of course. Can you describe what's on each side there, Panic? I can, for sure. So the front side, uh, you want to say? Yeah, it says uh, 211 miles, the John Muir Trail, Yosemite to Mount Whitney. And the back? The back is a quote, walk away quietly in any direction and, sorry, and taste the freedom of the mountaineer, John Muir. Attitude, respect, and perseverance. And it's got a, a pair of boots walking away from you. <laughs> so I always feel like when I finish something big that you know, I want to have a token to kind of remind me of, of that accomplishment. And the, the, the folks, uh, JB and his son over at the Rugged Outdoorsman, they have uh, created these commemorative coins to help remember events like this, uh, along with other things on their website. So uh, give, take a look at their Instagram account, uh, Rugged Outdoorsman, and their, their website and see what kind of uh, commemorative items you can, you can select from there. So it also That's comes with one. a, did, did, did JB send you a stand to go with that? Yeah, yes. it's right here. And so... Yeah, it sits in it like that. It's actually, uh, it's really nice, actually. I, it's, it, it's, we've had several people on the trail in the first 40 miles say, I want to be the first to congratulate you about, about hiking the John Muir Trail. And in the beginning, we were very... <laughs> it just seemed kind of funny. Yeah, I was like, well, we got 160 miles to go. And at the time, it's like, I don't know if we're going to make it. And it seemed very funny. And at the end when we were going to cut through Cottonwood and like to Mount Whitney, we passed hikers on their first, second, third day hiking the Nobo JMT and full of questions and concern, just like we were. And, and we were like, we want to be the first to congratulate you. And they were like, okay. But it's like, when you get to that, it's like, you know, it's, you're wrapping up this huge thing and you've got like all these emotions and like, there's not necessarily a team of people there to give you high there's fives. No and like, <laughs> Yeah. So it was, it was really nice to get, uh, to yeah. get this in the mail. It was, it was cute. It sits on my desk. Yeah. It's like, it, I genuinely, it's something that it, it makes me very happy to think about. Fantastic. I was just suggest that, uh, panic, you could put that on your desk at guard media and just look at it all day while you're daydreaming of, of doing other things other than marketing. <laughs> it, you're looking at me sitting at my desk at guard media right now. <laughs> and it sits on my desk. <laughs> Looks at it. Through hiking. <laughs> that is an accurate depiction of how my day goes. Now, once again, that's from the Rugged Outdoorsman. Check them out. They're a great partner to the show. All right. Hey, you guys just got back from a, from a trip. We yes, did. We did. I, I had some work in, in Geneva, Switzerland, and, and Brittany and I talked about it. It was a really last minute trip. And uh, I said to Brittany, you want to go to the French Alps? And I was like, sure. <laughs> She's like, yeah, whatever. It was just, the story of my life is just saying, yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's go do a thing. I don't know what, what we're doing. Um, it was pretty funny. She, she landed in Geneva when I finished work and we, I, she came, I met her at the airport. We picked a car up and we drove to Chamonix, which is about uh, 40 minutes from Geneva in France. You leave Switzerland and go into France. And for the two or three days before, we actually hadn't booked an Airbnb anywhere. We had nowhere to stay. We didn't really have a plan. And we were debating going to Zermatt, which is in Switzerland, and doing stuff around Matterhorn or going to Grindelwald. And it was rain, rain, rain in Switzerland. So I said to Britt, why don't, why don't we go to Chamonix? It's only 40 minutes away in France. And she was like, great. Booked an, she picked an Airbnb. She was like, this looks nice. It's a cabin. 
She flies out, watches three horror movies on the plane, <laughs> hasn't slept a wink in, in 24 hours, is completely delirious. And I'm driving us, if you've ever gone to Chamonix in the French Alps, she kind of very is, dramatic. She's kind of like asleep <laughs> in the side of the car and she kind of like looks up and she's like, wait, where are we going? What is those mountains are huge. And, and again, being a lifetime indoor kid and a lifetime outdoor kid, I had dreamed about going to Chamonix. It's in, it's the like origin of rock climbing and mountaineering and alpinism. And Brittany's like, what is this place? <laughs> but I, I picked a, a day hike that um, happened to be part of the Tour de uh, Mont Blanc. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, of course, like 3,000 feet of vertical gain in this yeah. very short period. And I was like, oh, yeah, chill day hike. No problem. We started going up. And the last, like, 1,500 feet of this hike are all ladders that are yeah. bolted to the side <laughs> of the mountain. And I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> the first giveaway about this. The first giveaway before the ladders was the herd of wild ibexes that were climbing up the rock wall next to the rock climbers and, and high alpine climbers. And Brittany, and now Brittany was like, where is this hike going? And I was like, up there. She was like, yeah, but how? And I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm really not sure. The answer is ladders. <laughs> ladders. Ladders were how we did that. Yeah. I mean, it was really awesome and really dramatic, but. Uh, we will be eventually hiking the Tour de Mont Blanc. We were there about <laughs> two weeks before they opened a lot of the tramway systems that get up into the mountains. So it was, it was a lovely day hike. We also went up to the, the base of, of Mont Blanc on, I can't pronounce that one tram yeah that was a wild if you want to take like the scariest gondola ride of your life uh go up to mont blanc on the gondola <laughs> it was that was that gondola was it pronounced walman dingerhorn uh something like that <laughs> something like that yeah very similar syllables <laughs> you know tmi tmi and panic i'm always on the lookout for the the episode title during the interview and i think we have stumbled across it the title for this episode is going to be the answer is ladders. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's, go that. that's golden. That's yes. golden. The answer is ladders. Answer is How ladders. are we getting up that? The answer yeah. is ladders. <laughs> yeah, the Ibexes didn't need it, nor did the rock climbers, but you know. Oh, there were some sketchy. I mean, they were really bolted in there, but uh, there's something like I like having both my feet on the ground when I'm doing things, especially hikes. And it was just like, oh, the, the, oh. the French Alps are definitely uh, it's very vertical. It's, it's very, <laughs> very, very vertical, you know. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was lovely. We're, we're, we're so excited to go back yeah. to bring, to bring the whole conversation back full circle. I think maybe some of those uh, kids on the, the hike in the Austrian Alps, uh, maybe ask some questions and maybe their teacher said the answer is ladders. Ladders. ladders yeah. yeah. I think the kids answered that to the, the guides that didn't know what was happening. And the kids were like, you should have brought a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, where's the ladder? If yeah. the answer is ladders, how come we're not carrying one? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That is exactly correct. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about your social media, your YouTube and Instagram channels. Um, yeah. what, if people go to bad hikers, what, what can they expect to find there? And I guess I should ask the question, why did you pick bad hikers as your, as your social <laughs> media account? So I think it was, it was, I mean, I think the, the bad hikers thing mm. came, it was a little bit cheeky. Um, so I will say Andy is definitely not a bad hiker, but I definitely had no idea what I was doing. Um, I think our first backpacking trip 
I brought probably about 25 pounds too many things. Um, <laughs> a lesson we've all learned. <laughs> yes. So I, it was like this kind of like, okay, maybe I'm bad at this, but also like just a cheeky, like, yeah, bad hikers. <laughs> I think, I think the cheekiness was, uh, I think, I think for me, the cheekiness was I've always appreciated about the outdoors that there's a very few, very specific set of things that are best practices, right? And it's leave no trace and the level of respect you bring to the outdoors. But other than that, like, <laughs> whatever, like there's not a hierarchy out here. Like it's, it's just, this is this, I mean, the national park system was literally created to, to do this, right. To, as like a respite for, for people living in urban areas. And I think that it was just, this is bad, be bad hikers. Like, it's fine. You can just be, be, you can suck at this. Yeah. Just go out and have a good time. Yeah. Be bad hikers. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Being, being a bad hiker is being, is better than being a non-hiker. So. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Unless you're stranded on Woman Digger. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. So what, what can we expect to see on your, on your channels? So I will say for Instagram, um, we've, been doing a lot of stuff around Oregon since we moved here. So a lot of PNW content right now. In our the Pacific Northwest makes for really easy content. Yes, it's gorgeous here. Here's a waterfall. Um, Here's a waterfall. Here's a waterfall. <laughs> I, I will say it can be a little inconsistent because both of us, we just do this in yeah. our free time. Um, but we have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And uh, we try to, I think we try to post things that are a mix of like Here's beautiful scenery, but also like some humorous behind the scenes stuff of us just yeah. chaotically going about our day. <laughs> and, and like we're outside of the name Bad Hikers, where this started about posting for both of us, where we really were, were started to hike a lot was when during COVID in 2020, we couldn't do anything. And then right when we were able to go and do some outdoors things and hike, it was kind of our escape together to go and get on the trail and we really wanted to share it with our families who were all over the world and all over the country and no one could see each other. And we wouldn't end up seeing each other for a year or yeah. more. Um, and it was just a way to share. And then it kind of evolved from there. Yeah. And the YouTube channel started off as like, I think episodes about each episode was kind of about like us hiking a specific trail or doing a specific backpacking trip. Um, the JMT series, I think is going to be, we're on our final episode. It's yeah. going to be eight episodes. So it's more of a longer arc, which has been really fun. Um, I, this process for me was learning how to like film and edit and do all that stuff. And it's, it's been really cool to get to do that. But I've really enjoyed doing like a longer series that has like an actual story arc. Um, and I think we're going to try to do more stuff like that um, instead of just kind of these like one-off one trail hiking episodes um but i think it's a good time it's fun we don't take ourselves too ser seriously um it was a project yeah. for us to do together our our work life is previously all-encompassing and it was really fun to have a project together that we could work on and and learn skills and have fun and have it be just an adventure together that wasn't we spent all of our day in front of the computer for other people and it was nice to do that for ourselves and continue to do that so yeah we're looking forward to it. We're, we're finishing the JMT series, which has been a riot. And yeah. also I'm just grateful that I, we have the footage. Part of the best part of editing is a year, almost to the day, a couple of weeks 
being off trail, it's just fun going back through the footage and like piecing it together and reimagining how everything went and, and all that. Yeah. Reliving it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we'll, uh, we have some other say similar distance through hikes coming up that we're excited to, to make some content about. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to, to see the finished product. Make sure that you uh, share that with us. Yeah, we will yeah. for sure. hundred percent. Okay. Hey, TMI and panic, you know where we are? No. What's that? <laughs> The pro tip insight of the week. That's right, half calf. It's I time like the for futuristic the AI <laughs> engine you got over there. <laughs> uh, TMI and panic. It's time to share your pro tip insight of the week, uh, where you you share some trail wisdom for our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So, TMI, what do you have for us? So mine's going to be a very obvious uh, gear thing that I think a lot of people listening to this podcast already know, but I was a boot hiker up until we left on the JMT and I got trail runners right before we left. Um, and I am so grateful I did. Yes. <laughs> um, I do not suggest doing the John Muir Trail in boots. There are I, a lot of boots out there. And it was a blister fest. Um, blister fest. Trail runners, way to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if the feet aren't happy, the hiker's not happy. Exactly. <laughs> yep. I, and you know, a lifetime outdoor kid. I was a boot kid, and I, I I don't know if that was a growing up on the East Coast where I didn't see trail runners that much in the Adirondacks, and maybe that was just a place. Or I'm, you know, feel free to at me in the comments and yell <laughs> at me. But it was just I think I just always wore boots, and we were we were coming to this conclusion leading up to the JMT, and then both pulled the trigger for the first time and have never looked back so much so that we're going to go climb Kilimanjaro and trail runners. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> where <are> trail runners? <laughs> uh, nice. I think mine. Ooh, I think this probably sounds cheesy. Mine is in um, both of uh, both of, of TMI and I practice this, I think really successfully. We don't have expectations on, a one mile day hike or a 250 mile through hike. And it's really nice. It's, it's really nice to enjoy the outdoors without having a rigid agenda like expectations. And I think that, you know, yesterday we did a 14 mile day hike and had a riot and we could have gone two miles and had just as good of a time. And I don't mean that in the sense of uh, some kind of casual, you know, idea about not having expectations it's more like i think the best part about the outdoors is it's going to tell you what kind of adventure you should have today and just getting in tune with the intuition to listen to that answer because we've stopped 50 feet short of summits and had the best hikes ever and we've summited mountains and everything in between and every single time we've made that decision based on seems like we should just stop here or this is the adventure we should have. We've gone a quarter mile into a 10 mile hike and been having a really hard time in our personal life and just walked out, off to the side of the trail and sat down in the bushes for four hours and just talked. And I think that removing, I think sometimes the outdoors comes with like, this is the objective. This is a 10 mile hike. It's not, it's a, whatever you want that hike to be. And I think when we got there together, the outdoors just got like way more fun. Way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. As uh, JFM pod listener, Mike Tyson once said, I'm not sure if he listens or not. I'm just <laughs> big mic drop right there. <laughs> just, just speculating. He pretty probably <laughs> but as he once said, everybody has a game plan until, until you get punched in the, the nose. Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. Then the game plan's out the window and you got to improvise. And I think being flexible and being able to improvise is very, very important skill out there on the trail. That's a a great pro tip from both of you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with bad hikers, TMI and panic. Want to thank them for joining us this week. How can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? So on YouTube, we're bad hikers. And on Instagram, we're bad dot hikers. <laughs> you know? Yeah, check us out at bad hikers. We're, uh, we'll, we'll kind of, if you watch the latest uh, through hike of our John Muir on YouTube, you'll get a good sense of kind of what some of our upcoming adventures are going to look like. And we have a Kilimanjaro summit this winter that we're going to definitely be making a little, a little series about. And Brittany has designs of us trying to trying to through hike the Arctic circle next year. So I think, uh, I think we got some stuff coming on the, on the horizon for sure. I I know what else is on in your future coming back on the podcast and talking about these things. Yeah, absolutely. We will will come back doc. It's been such a pleasure. Fantastic. Well, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. All right, you two. I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, something out there in the media department that's going to keep our listeners connected to outdoor adventures. We call this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? Oh, Adventure Media. Okay. Adventure, adventure Media. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we just watched, uh, a Taylor and Renan documentary, Taylor, um, uh, and Renan of Expedition Studios, uh, the sanctity of space, yes. uh, out, I think it's on Amazon and Hulu and it's all a, the platforms, it's all the, pla- yeah, all the, all the buying platforms. It's not a, not a free streamer. Um, anything by Taylor and Renan are, is, is at least personally some of my favorite stuff, but the Sanctity of Space was a, a lovely historical kind of deep dive into aerial natural photography, adventuring, you know. And it also intertwines like Renan's personal yeah. story about um, a traverse that they were trying to do. It's a, it's a really cool interplay between yeah. rock climbing, alpinism, history, and this very personal story about a, uh, an adventure. Yeah. A a decade long adventure. Yeah. Those are the best kinds of adventures. Ones that last for a decade. Holy smokes. (laughs) They are. They are. We've got a couple on the bucket list for sure, but that's a, I think we just watched that. Yeah. Yeah. The sanctity of space. Let's check that out. Thank you. Worth it for sure. (laughs) What have we not asked you? Okay. Hey, and before we wrap things up, uh, one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What did we miss tonight? Ooh. Oh boy. Well, your AI question generator is very thorough. So the John Freakinier <laughs> pod, excellent hosting work. Um, I don't know. I think that, uh, I think just right now, the thing I'm enjoying most is exploring a new state and new, new nature. And, and kind of when we, when we left California, we had genuinely done, we'd started making a list, but we had done almost every day hike that the state had to <laughs> offer. And I, I don't mean that fictitiously. Like we started with 45 minute circle around where we live, then an hour, then two hours, then four hours, then <laughs> national parks, then the John Muir trail. And it was like, by the time we left, it was like, I'm ready for a new geography I yeah. think, in a new, a new setting and moving to Oregon has been jaw dropping. I have 
my my other monitor is photos from our hike to, uh, up Eagle Creek yesterday, and uh, it's just something special. Yeah. So now you, mean, you have a new set of concentric circles to work your way through. Yes. Yes, we do. It's actually harder here. <laughs> Los, uh, living in the Los Angeles area, you get a lot of repeats, even though it's a different hike. It, it, there, there seem to be some consistent, you know, this is a desert hill that leads <laughs> to a dried riverbed and not no hate. Now, listen, I, we had a blast, uh, but Oregon has been especially. special. But yeah, yesterday we hiked to a giant waterfall yeah. pouring over a tunnel of ferns. And I was like, well, this is... <laughs> It's a little different. <laughs> yeah, no, Oregon has been lovely. Um, and I think, uh, I don't, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, that is a wrap from the John Freaking Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, you two? Shout out to you, Doc, for having us on. And we can't wait to tell you about more adventures. Yeah. And uh, shout out to my grandma, Sita, who watches all of our content. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, you'll have a, you'll have, you won't get a new subscriber out of Sita. The mechanism, I don't think will yeah, happen. Yeah, we'll have to sign her up ourselves. But, but she will be listening. So we'll get you okay. the clicks. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've spent the day philosophizing about one of the world's greatest inventions, pizza. The trail <laughs> is the trail. Embrace the suck. Thank you.